The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 319, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, October 8th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in to My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show where I give my take on gaming, entertainment, movies, and TV for our gaming and entertainment edition. And on Wednesday nights, we do our MMA and wrestling edition, where I give my thoughts on, obviously, MMA and wrestling, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown sometimes, NXT, TNA, the UFC, Bellator, and other MMA news as well. You can tune in live by heading over to mtrlive.com. There you will be able to watch the live video stream and also participate in the show chat. There is also an audio version that streams live via Mixler. For those of you that are watching the video feed, we are simulcasting on StreamUp, Vaughn Live, YouTube Live, and Twitch TV. But again, if you want to interact with the show, head over to mtrlive.com and jump into the chat room there to participate. You can also participate by calling our call-in number 347-324-3541. Just hit option one and let Slick know that you want to come on air, and he will cue you up and bring you on to the show. So those are the ways that you can participate. Of course, you can also use our call-in number, not hit option one, and you'll be able to listen to the show on your phone as well. If you're on a mobile device, you can get the official Mixler app, which is free. Punch in My Take Radio, and you can stream high-quality audio of the show that way as well. All right, so couple of things. Last night, we did not do an MMA and wrestling show. Uh, We were actually checking out the EA holiday preview. So we had an opportunity to go and meet with EA yesterday and check out some of the new upcoming titles, titles which included the Star Wars Battlefront, which many of you are probably playing the beta as we speak. In addition to that, we also played Unraveled, Need for Speed on the iPad, also got to play a little bit of Plants vs. Zombies, um, the brand new Garden Warfare. We also played Mirror's Edge. 
And last but not least, they also gave us access to a brand new Minions game that is releasing on mobile platforms. So we're going to get into that. I'll share my thoughts on some of those games during our gaming segment. But before we get into that, just a couple of housekeeping things to get out of the way. Uh, first off, shout out to Branwyn Kimball, who won our Guardians of the Galaxy action figure contest. Uh, Slick will be putting out a contest for Leo's Fortune, a uh, brand new game that he recently reviewed. Be on the lookout for details on how you can win that game by heading over to RageWorks.net. Once we finalize the details, of course, we will share it on all our social media outlets. So be on the lookout for that. If you went to RageWorks today, you'll probably see that RageWorks is pink. Um, Obviously, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And those of you that have listened to the show for since the beginning or for quite some time will probably be familiar with how that has affected me and my daily life. But nonetheless, usually, and I know a couple of people have asked, we do a Brawling for Boobies fighting game event in partnership with our friends at Coleman for the Cure. But um, the last couple of years, things have been uh, interesting in terms of trying to organize the event, getting people involved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I did not speak with Coleman this year to try and put something together, only because um, it falls during a very, very busy time uh, between New York Comic Con, for those that are covering that, and all the events that we've got booked throughout the month of October. It would be a disservice to try and organize something and not not only and have issues not only with it coming together but also just meeting the expectations of our first and second years so with that said nonetheless we do we do still proudly support breast cancer awareness month our site is pink you'll see our custom ribbon up in the uh right corner for the foreseeable month for the foreseeable future at least throughout the month of october and, um, yeah, you know, we, we, we definitely try to raise awareness as, mu- as much as we can. Uh, definitely save the boobies whenever possible. Ladies, uh, get yourselves checked out. And um, with that, I did want to advise everyone of the broadcast schedule for the month of October and also uh, talk about some stuff that we got coming up as well. Uh, next week, there will be an MMA and wrestling show, but there will not be a gaming and entertainment show next week uh i will be at the get geeked event uh this year not only covering it for RageWorks, but also once again um assisting an interview and most likely live stream duties so be on the lookout for coverage from that event on the 15th but like i said an mma and wrestling edition of the show will be live that wednesday october 14th so mark that on your calendars also uh, the the following week, we will be at the Photo Plus Expo, more than likely that Friday, unless there's any appointments on that Saturday, but 99.9% sure it's only on Friday. But we will have shows that Wednesday and that Thursday, unless things change or something comes up that will uh, change our broadcast schedule. So there is no gaming and entertainment show next week. There will be shows the following week and the week after that. Uh, during the month of November, there are going to be some events and things that, we're, that we are going to be working on. So that month will have a couple of changes. Obviously, there won't be a show that Thursday in November for Thanksgiving. 
that Thanksgiving Thursday, there definitely will not be a show, obviously due to the holiday break. Uh, will there be a wrestling show? That remains to be seen. But thus far, the schedule for the month of November is a little packed, but we're definitely going to try and get our shows out. But that does not mean that you won't get content from some of our other shows, including Black is the New Black, um, our friends at the regular season sportscast, and, of course, The Buried Show, which will be releasing a Halloween episode uh, most likely towards the end of the month, if not sooner, depending on Quark and Blade's schedule. But there will be a brand-new Black is the New Black this week, and the regular season sportscast for this week is already uh, on my editing queue, so you guys will have that in a few hours as well. Last but not least, for those of you that have been asking, there are multiple ways to get archived versions of the show. I know some of you guys were having issues with the Stitcher feed, and I want to recommend that if you do have any issues, you either go directly to RageWorks.net, and you can listen to the shows there. You can also find us on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. Those are two other options. Obviously, for those that are on iTunes, you're probably getting the show first because usually the order is that it gets published to iTunes first, and then that gets forwarded to Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And, of course, on RageWorks.net, you can find archived versions of all the shows, both in audio and video format, as well as tune into our two YouTube channels, either My Take Radio TV or Official RageWorks, for archives there as well. All right, so we got a couple of things on deck on the gaming side. Gaming has been a little a little packed this week. There's a lot of games coming out in October. Uh, there's some stuff that we're working on as well, including Transformers Devastation, which I actually... Ooh, that looks not cool. Looks like my video froze. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know if it was the app or the stream. Hey, Slick, is the video frozen on your end? Do you know? Yep. Hmm. All right. That's a little interesting. It looks like the stream froze here, too. Mm. All right. You know what I'm going to have to do, unfortunately? I'm going to have to stop the video stream for this episode and um, go only via audio for the time being. Let me see. Otherwise, let's try this again. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to restart the video stream, guys. I apologize for that. For those of you watching via video, I don't understand why all these video programs decide to take a take a serious dump when we try to do uh, video streams. And it's only been happening as of late. I sometimes I swear that the Windows 10 update has done more harm than good with regards to certain applications. Either that, or it's just maybe too many resources. But I don't think so. Um, for those of you that are curious, we are running XSplit, which is something that we normally use for our streams. And for some reason, let's try and get that back up and running. All right. Looks like our video stream is fixed. Anyway, as I was saying, um, 
minus the video stream, which we got back up and running. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about all the latest gaming news. Like I said, uh, we are going to have a review for Transformers Devastation up probably by this weekend. I just got to get some video footage rendered and uh, edited for you guys to be able to check out that game. A couple of initial impressions I will provide via the gaming segment and let you guys know if the game is worth checking out as well. On the entertainment side of things, we got a fair amount of entertainment news this week that I want to get into. And with that, let's get this ball rolling and jump into the gaming news of the week, shall we? All right, so I want to get the ball rolling with um, some DLC news for those of you that are uh, Battlefield 4 players. They're going to be releasing a brand new DLC pack called the Battlefield 4 Community Operations Pack. That's actually going to include an Operation Outbreak map, which DICE created along with the Battlefield 4 community. Um, You're going to get a couple of new vehicles as well, including... Um, some agile vehicles, light attack vehicles, and some new weapons as well. Of course, Battlefield 4 is currently available on PC, Xbox One, PS4, 360, and PlayStation 3. So, be on the lookout because that's going to be a free DLC pack. I don't have a release date as of yet, but once I get it, I'll make sure to share it with you guys because I know I got a couple of Battlefield 4 players that check out the show. So again... The Battlefield 4 Community Operations Pack will be dropping this month. Well, they say later in the fall, but at this point, it's either later this month or at some point in November. But again, as I said, once I get a release date, I will definitely share it with you guys. While we are on the subject of DLC, first of all, what the hell is that noise on the background over here? What an annoying little noise. (laughs) I think it was the recorder plugged into the uh, the USB port. Yuck. Noise everywhere. Anyway, on the DLC front, we got some news for WWE 2K16, which is due to hit stores on the 27th of this month. We're looking forward to checking that out and reviewing it. But there's a couple of things that you're going to be able to really, really enjoy once the DLC comes out. And the reason I say that and I'm a little hesitant, is because DLC, and Slick and I have talked about this quite a bit, is hit or miss. And in WWE's case, there are sometimes instances where the DLC just feels like a glorified cash grab and adds no additional value to the game whatsoever, especially when you have such a very, very deep, creative community for the game. But this DLC actually looks quite promising. Um, a couple of things that you're going to be getting are the Legends Pack, which includes uh, Big Boss Man, Dusty Rhodes, Lita, Mr. Perfect, the late Rowdy Piper, and Trish Stratus. That Legends Pack will be available on its own for $8.99. You're also going to get a 2015 Hall of Fame showcase with, a, with, a, with an awesome amount of matches that you're going to want to play, including Macho Man Randy Savage versus Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, Rikishi versus The Rock. I don't even know if I want to play through that feud. Alundra Blaze versus Paige. Uh, very cool past versus present matchup. Larry Zabisco versus Arn Anderson. Tatsumi Fujinami versus Ric Flair. Of course, Tatsumi Fujinami went into the Hall of Fame recently. Uh, the Bushwhackers taking on the Natural Disasters and the Outsiders taking on Harlem Heat. 
The Hall of Fame showcase will be available for a retail price of $9.99. So, obviously, you'll be able to buy all the DLC piecemeal, but of course, you're going to get the DLC pack as well. There is a pack with new moves, including um, the Corner and the Zaguri, the Avalanche Ram, the Sidewinder Suplex, uh, the Standing Crossface Chicken Wing, the Dragon Sleeper, and you're going to be in a couple of other moves as well. The new moves pack will run you $3.99. And last but not least, the Future Stars pack, which is the, the big selling point for me, where you're going to get NXT Superstars, Blake and Murphy, which you can either love that or hate that, but you're also getting Samoa Joe, which is very cool, and you're getting the Matadors, Fernando and Diego as well. That Future Stars pack by itself is going to run you $7.99. The season pass as a whole is $24.99. It's a savings of 20% versus purchasing each individual piece of DLC. As I said, you get the Accelerator, which is going to unlock everything in the game. Maybe I forgot to mention that. Uh, The Legends pack, the Hall of Fame showcase, the new moves, and, of course, the Future Stars pack as well. Again, WWE 2K16 hits stores October 27th. We actually put the trailer for that DLC pack on the RageWorks YouTube channel. Make sure to check it out if you haven't. Um, Otherwise, keep it locked to RageWorks.net and MTR for all the latest WWE 2K16 happenings. Now, the next bit of news I'm shocked happened now and wasn't announced in November, but it's definitely uh, an opening salvo in the new console wars. It is that the PlayStation 4 will be getting a price drop effective an hour from now, roughly, um, as it is 11 p.m., 11.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so a little less than 40 minutes if depending on on your watch, but you will be able to pick up a PlayStation 4 for $349 going forward instead of the usual $399. If you're in Canada, our Canadian friends are going to get a price drop from $449 to $429. Now, obviously, this price drop is, is very cool. A lot of people are excited about it, especially those that are looking to pick up another PlayStation 4 or are even on the fence In regards to the brand new consoles, there's definitely an enticing um, price drop. You know, 50 bucks is 50 bucks. In this case, they're also releasing a couple of bundles to get people, you know, to wet the palate a little bit. You're getting the Uncharted bundle, which, of course, comes with the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection, the 500 gig hard drive version of the console. And that will be available this Friday when the Uncharted collection drops for $349. There's also a limited edition Call of Duty Black Ops 3 bundle. That one has one terabyte hard drive, and it is now $429 and $499 if you're in Canada. The limited edition Disney Infinity 3.0 Star Wars bundle, that one has a 500 gig hard drive and will be dropping to $399. And last but not least, Star Wars Battlefront's bundle will be $399 as well. There's... um. Two special versions of that. There's a standard edition with the game that's going to be $349. And, of course, the uh, highly touted Darth Vader edition, which comes with a Darth Vader uh, with a customized Darth Vader PlayStation 4, Star Wars Battlefront, and, as I said, a 500-gig hard drive. Last but not least, if you're in Canada, you will have access to a special NHL 16 bundle, which is 
of course, the 500 gig version of the console plus the game, and that one is going to run you 429. As I said last week and the week prior when we did shows, the inclusion of one game to get the ball rolling is something that really sets consoles apart because it feels like you're getting additional value. Now, some people may disagree with that, but in the era now of downloadable games, there's not even a necessity to pack in a box or anything of that nature. You get a card with a rede- with a redemption code, and um, you know, you'll be able to just pick up whatever game you decide to purchase with your bundle. In this case, as I said, you got choices. You got Nathan Drake, Black Ops 3, Disney Infinity, Battlefront, and for our Canadian friends, NHL 16. So again, uh, definitely some great games to jump into if you're a first-time PS4 owner, if you are making it your second console or maybe adding another PlayStation 4 in your house, uh, you know, the $50 savings is definitely a plus. Uh, for, for yours truly, I am pr- probably going to be picking up a second PlayStation 4 in the future uh, for some for something very cool that we are working on. And with that, I can say that the $50 savings is definitely nice. I got I got no problem saving an extra 50 bucks. But like I said, the pack-in games have definitely come a long way from the old days where you would get, you know, Gyromite or Duck Hunt or something that you really, really didn't like. I mean, most of, most of the early console years had some solid pack-in games. I mean, Nintendo always threw in um, a good Mario title, depending on the console. I know a couple of friends that did get the Gyromite Nintendo when we were kids just because they thought, you know, everybody thought that getting Rob the Robot was cool until you realize that he served zero purpose in any game except Gyromite. But be that be that as it may, I mean, the, the return of, of pack-in games is definitely a solid, solid plus. Now, as I mentioned, they are releasing a Star Wars Battlefront bundle. And that bundle, for me... Um, definitely not something I'm picking up because, like I said, I have a PlayStation 4, but I know quite a few people that are really, really looking forward to this game and maybe picking up the PlayStation 4 Darth Vader edition as either their primary console or maybe they're going to hold on to it for, you know, eBay or, or reseller purposes. But I will say that during the EA preview, I did get some hands-on time with Star Wars Battlefront um, Jimbo Slice uh, took the trip with me to check it out. And a couple of things. Obviously, we couldn't capture any pictures. Uh, very, very strict. No photo, no video rules throughout most of the titles. But during my time with Star Wars Battlefront, I mean, I got to play it a little, a little bit a couple of months back during the EA Showcase. But this time, I got a little bit more of, a, of an intimate uh, experience. And the reason I say this is because you were able to play a couple of different modes and really dig into the game. They gave us a a decent amount of time with it. And I have to say that as a Star Wars fan, you're you're, going to fall into two schools of thought. If you are someone that likes to play more more of the campaign side of things, you're going to be frustrated when you find out that there is no campaign for Star Wars Battlefront. You're only playing either... I believe, as I mentioned last week, you're playing with bots or you're going to be just playing online. This, of course, is very similar 
to, you know, some of the other games that have been released recently that are just online, that their strength, their primary strength is online and you're not getting any other experiences. Uh, for me, I definitely feel that Star Wars Battlefront is going to be a game that you're going to experience with a, a group to enjoy it at its at its highest at its highest capacity. I think that especially if you get a couple of your close friends and you're able to play that game together, it's definitely going to increase the value of the game. For those of us that are casual online gamers, we're going to find out what we're made of since the beta is now live and I recommend you check it out only because I know a lot of people are really looking forward to playing the game, but they're probably not really either paying attention to or aware that there is no single-player campaign. For me personally, I don't mind jumping online and playing a little bit with you know some, some good friends and having some laughs, but if you're just trying to throw the game in and enjoy it on its own at its in its purest form, you're unfortunately going to be stuck with a, a very, very repetitive shooting experience because you're just going to be shooting bots all day. There's no campaign to keep you in the loop, and I think that that's going to be something that is going to shorten the shelf life of this game. I mean, you know, even even games that have very, very strong multiplayer capabilities have at least a decent single-player campaign. Most Call of Duty games that I've played... I usually play the campaign, and most times I find the campaign to be, you know, pretty enjoyable. Other times you're just, you know, like I said, the online experience is gonna is gonna wear thin. I mean, Danny made sure to mention Titanfall, and Titanfall definitely fell into that category, and I'll tell you guys why. When I picked up my Xbox One, I purchased it, and it came with Titanfall. It wasn't something I was looking for or I wanted necessarily, but you know, it was no big deal. Again, a free game is a free game. I played it a little bit. I learned the ins and outs, got a couple of achievements. And at that point, I since I hadn't bought the console at launch, I didn't really get any real time with Titanfall like others did. So a lot of the times I, 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 I got in, I killed a couple of guys and did a couple of missions, but the novelty wore off fairly quickly. Now, when people come over, when, um, you know, John Blade comes comes to visit. He he'll usually hop on and play it for quite some time because the first person shooter multiplayer genre is his thing. Um, a lot of online play for him, Captain Quark, and a lot of the guys. For me, like I said, sometimes I just want to turn a game on and enjoy it. At, you know, at at it, at my own pace and without having to worry about getting shot seventeen times in the same place. And some people they just you know some people are into that and some people aren't. As I said, Star Wars Battlefront, from a visual standpoint, is a beautiful game. They really took their time and created just a very, very immersive Star Wars experience. But if you're looking for something that's going to take advantage of the Star Wars narrative or anything related to the story that's deep and, and meaningful, I just don't see it. What I see is a game set in the Star Wars universe where you're just going to go around and shoot as many stormtroopers or as many rebels as possible. Not necessarily a bad thing, but some of us, you know, we might we we want a little bit more. We want some a little more meat with our potatoes, so to speak. And with that said, I'm definitely going to play Star Wars Battlefront. Will it be a day one purchase for yours truly? I don't think so unless something something of, you know, a hu something huge happens where four, five, six people say, "Hey, you know, we're going to 
jump on this game, play it together, blah, blah, blah. Especially if it's people that I game with on a regular basis, then sure. But as of right now, not something that I personally am going to purchase day one only because the lack of single-player campaign definitely is a, a knock. Again, just just in my, in my case. Uh, we also played the brand-new Plants vs. Zombies, uh, Garden Warfare, which was really really enjoyable there were there were so many different things that they that they mentioned uh brand new character classes uh really easy pick up and play uh setup which was great they also made it that you can actually do online play without i mean you can play online and you won't even need xbox live or playstation plus which is very very cool they did they did that you know for some of the younger kids that want to play the game and don't have access to those services, you can still play that game online, which I thought definitely was very innovative and very cool. Um, the graphics were beautiful. The cooperative gameplay, again, was very fun, and there were a lot of things that you can do without having to jump into online multiplayer. They also seem to have borrowed a lot of elements from Splatoon. Usually in Splatoon, you draw... you. You are dropped into an open area, and as you walk around, you can either go to multiplayer battles, a store, a place to customize your character. There's a lot of different places you can go in the game. It's not a menu system. It's actually just an immersive in-game area that you're going to be able to enjoy. But um, the thing that I liked about it, like I said, it was really easy to just pick up and play. You hop in. Um, definitely some some good strategic co-op gaming elements there was um uh, one of the members of the press actually had uh, children with them and they actually were able to pick up the game jump in we were all playing together and it was a really really enjoyable experience i like the graphics i like i said just beautiful bright vibrant and really pushing the the hardware in, in the right direction and i think that that's going to be a game that's going to be a sleeper for a lot of people because it's a fun game very enjoyable like like i said i felt like i was playing just a a more a more immersive version of splatoon which is definitely a plus anyway the thing that gets me is that a lot of people are probably going to turn the other cheek when it comes to plants versus zombies only because they're going to feel that it's very childish much like people said about splatoon and then as soon as they picked it up and played it they realized that Splatoon was really a badass fucking game. And um, that that's probably one game, the Plants vs. Zombies my, uh, Garden Warfare, that's probably going to be on my radar just because that's a game I can, I can pick up and play just, you know, 15, 20 minutes at a clip, come back, and not feel like I'm missing anything because it's just a, a fun game to play. Uh, next game we got to check out was Mirror's Edge Catalyst, which, again, was beautiful visually an amazing game my issue with mirror's edge at least for me personally is that it felt like it was a game that as much as they tried to make it you know first person which again it's fine i felt that that game would have benefited more from an over-the-shoulder third person point of view versus the, the the typical first person view that that game has utilized now that's not to say that the game was not a good game. It just wasn't a game that, for me, felt natural only because 
you know, you're free running, you're trying to do combat at the same time, you're trying to do all this melee stuff, and while the controls were very easy to pick up and play, um, you were using left bumper, left trigger, and what you were doing was that the left trigger would simulate um, motions where you would slide under things. No, correction. The left bumper would be for you to slide under objects. The left trigger, I'm trying to remember, left bumper under, left trigger over for you to do all the parkour moves over ladders and railings and walls and et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, you had your your combat mechanics. And they gave you access to three levels. Um, First was a foot race. The second was a combat mission. And the third was more of a free-running mission just to get acquainted with the controls. As I said, it was it was a beautiful game. Graphically, it was, you know, the graphics were, were amazing. Really, really beautiful, cutting-edge stuff. But I just didn't feel that the free-running first-person view was for me. I actually felt that it was, it, it was, it, it almost felt like it was causing vertigo as I'm playing the game because... You're, you're running across all these skyscrapers, you're wall jumping, you're trying to do all this stuff, and, you know, the controls, you're using the, obviously, the left stick to move and the right stick to look around, and you're trying to do all that and then also chain together attacks, et cetera, et cetera. And, again, not, not horrible by any stretch of the imagination, but not a game that screamed, please buy me on day one. Now, obviously, I know some some people are big fans of, of Mirror's Edge, and they're going to be like, "Yo, man, you just didn't give it a chance, et cetera, et cetera." You know, you only played so you only played it for a time. It was actually a timed demo, I believe. It was fifteen minutes total, and maybe I didn't give it a chance, but I just didn't feel that the game was something that I personally would be immersed in for the foreseeable future. Again, that's just me. That's where I stand on it, but. And again, here's one thing, and I'm going to say this, and I'm, you know, I'm repeating myself here. Graphically beautiful. If you've never played Mirror's Edge before, it may be a turnoff. If you have played it before, then you know what to expect. Me, I, I did play Mirror's Edge when it first came out. I even played it on mobile on a tablet. And I always felt that the game was just not conducive to me personally, like I said, because it lacked the ability to play, you know, in that third-person, over-the-shoulder view. I think that just would have benefited the game more. But, again, that's that's where I stand. The other game, uh, two mobile games that we played, we played a version of Needs for Speed, uh, which was fun. It was actually quite, quite enjoyable. The controls were easy to access. You can either use the steering to tilt, or you can do touchscreen steering, which was fun. It's free to play, which was cool. A lot of they give you a lot of value in the game for free before they start tacking on all the microtransactions. But again, if you are a racing fan or a Need for Speed fan, you can pick that up either on Android or iOS, and that is available now. We also got our hands on the Minions game, which if you've played uh, the Smurfs game or Farmville or any of those games in that genre. Uh, the Minions game is very similar to that. You really got to be either a, a kid that loves Minions or an adult that loves Minions to fully appreciate it. For me personally, I see it as a game that is going to lure kids in and their parents are going to look at their credit card statements and wonder, 
why the hell is there $500 in online game purchases? I just feel that for me, I was, um, you know, I just didn't, I didn't think that for, for a game of that magnitude. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to go a little, a little deep here. You look at games like Farmville, you look at games like the Smurfs, you know, all those, all those mobile games that try and get you in with the, um, the, you know, they, they try and get you in with the, the characters that are familiar, the characters that are easy to get kids involved in. And again, not terrible, but when you look at it, you feel like you're playing a game that you've played before. The Smurfs game, I remember when it first came out, I was like, oh, you know, this is kind of cool. And then you start realizing that, oh, you need 100 berries to do this. You need 500 berries to do this. Oh, you need 600 berries to do this. That's going to cost you five bucks. And before you know it, you you find yourself purchasing, you know, berries to complete missions, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, exactly slick. Slick used a, a great term, which is very, very applicable, which is freemium. Which is, yeah, everything is free up until, you know, et cetera. And then it's $5 for 10 hours of your time. 100% right. And, again, some people are going to jump in and they're going to they're gonna invest money and they're going to spend money because they're really into the characters. For me, the way I saw it was, it was a property that, even though it's making the studios a lot of money, I just don't feel that the application from a gaming space is sufficient for you to 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 throw such a an in-depth game. And the reason I say this is because you have all these islands, the islands evolve over time. You got to spend money on activities. Oh, you want to roast marshmallows, you got to increase the happiness of the minions. It's okay. But in terms of just long-term value, it's going to be something where people are going to pick it up. They're going to play it as far as they can for free, and then it's going to fall by the wayside. I mean, I know a lot of people that played Candy Crush for for a long period of time, and then when it reached a point where you had to start paying, it was like, hey, can you send me lives or can you send me continues? All I remember was seeing was my Facebook inundated with people saying, yo, I need three lives or, hey, I need a continue, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't, you know, I just didn't feel that, for me personally, it was something that that really jumped out. That, that's all I'm saying. Some people are going to say, "Oh yeah, well, you know, you just you're not a fan of the of the genre, or you're not a fan." No, I'm not a fan of um. I'm not I'm not a fan of just the the you know the microtransactions. That's all I'm saying. But I will say this: the game that really got my got my goat and really really blew my mind was unraveled and i'll tell you why many of you have heard me talk about little big planet and how much i've enjoyed little big planet felt it was therapeutic and um the way i felt playing that was that unraveled was very very similar uh the way that the game is is laid out you um you have a character made of yarn and he has a loose string that as you progress through a level, it unravels, obviously, hence the name. And then um, you have another string that you can use to throw and use that to climb, swing. You can tie parts of the yarn together to make trampolines. 
and you can use the yarn to swing. And what basically you have to do is as you progress through a level, there's going to be other uh, spools of yarn throughout the level that you got to pick up to refill your yarn. And the thing is, as I said, if you've played Little Big Planet, you're going to see the comparisons very, very quickly. And I felt exactly the same way when I was playing that game. I felt that it was relaxing, enjoyable. The graphics were beautiful. Uh, the studio used a lot of, borrowed, got a lot of inspiration uh, from Scandinavia and Norway. And, um, you know, very rustic, very, you know, had a nice, beautiful, lush green forests and a, a fair amount of strategy. Enough strategy to not frustrate you totally, but just enough to really make you think. And I, I think that, that the game itself is going to get on a lot of people's radar because of the similarities to such a such a solid title like Little Big Planet. I mean, I'm sure that the developer didn't want to hear that because I said I'm like it really feels like Little Big Planet, but I say it not because of the character or because of level customization or because of the layout of the of the stages, not at all. The my comparisons to Little Big Planet were just the the simplicity, the um, you know, a character that definitely resonates when you look at it you're like hey i know this character it's from this game and i just felt that looking at that and playing it for for the amount of time that we did it was definitely a step in the right direction something different uh something unique which is good because a lot of people including me you know you give ea we give ea a lot of shit for being repetitive being um over the top and with that, it's it's one of those things where you're either going to appreciate the game all the way or it may not be your cup of tea. You'll know you'll know within the first few minutes of playing it. And people that played Little Big Planet that I recommended it to, they fell into that same school of thought. Either they really enjoyed it or they just felt it really wasn't for them. And I think Unraveled is definitely falling into that camp. I really enjoyed it. I am looking forward to playing it. I believe it is available first quarter 2016. And um, we're going to try and share our impressions of that. I know uh, Danny mentioned something to me about, about the Minion game, which uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't have mentioned. But um, I believe that I could only because I think the game is out already. And I believe that uh, what they told me about it was I could not publish it, but. If not, then I guess I, I won't be invited to any more stuff. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But um, overall, like I said, cool experience. Uh, the games that stuck out to me, Garden Warfare, the new one, the up the Garden Warfare 2, I should say, um, Battlefront for obvious reasons, and Unraveled for sure, uh, Mirror's Edge, pick your own poison there. If you're a fan of the game, you'll appreciate it. If you're not or you're new to the game, definitely see if there's a demo or a, or something before purchasing it. Unless, like I said, they really they they tweak the viewpoint because, like I said, I wasn't a fan of the the first person view. Uh, Need for Speed is available now on mobile, iOS, and Android. If you want to check that out, uh, you can do tilt to turn and tap. To, to turn as well. Jimbo Slice brought that to my attention. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, but overall, the EA, the EA event was cool, uh, very fun, and we're going to try, hopefully, to 
get our hands on some of those games in the near future. The other thing I wanted to mention before wrapping things up and going into this week's gaming, I excuse me, entertainment segment is that, and this is something that has been, uh, I was waiting until I heard back and um, seems that it went through. So I figure I'll share it with you guys. I decided to sign up for Nintendo's, um, their YouTube uh, program, which is if you're going to stream any of their games, as long as it's on their uh, list and you get approved, you can stream certain Nintendo titles. Now, the reason I opted to do this was because I've been playing Splatoon a bit more, and it's really an enjoyable game, and I really would like to stream it, even if it's a little bit on Twitch, maybe share some some stuff on our YouTube channels. But before I proceeded to do that, it was brought to my attention that I had to sign up for the Nintendo Partner Program, which I did, and um, it seems everything is on the up and up. So hopefully I'll be able to share some Splatoon videos in the future. For my Transformers Devastation review, be on the lookout for that hopefully this weekend. I am going to try and stream some gameplay tomorrow. Uh, Hopefully I'll have some time. If I do, of course, keep it locked to Rageworks. Definitely our Twitch channel. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. And you can check out the stream Tomorrow, if not, look for some videos on our YouTube channel and our review on RageWorks.net. All right, that is going to wrap up the gaming for this week. Let's switch gears, jump into this week's entertainment news, because damn, there's a lot of stuff going on. So let's get to it. So I want to open things up with some sequel news because this film, I knew it was a no brainer that we would be getting a sequel. I just didn't think it would happen so quickly. Uh, It seems that the Kingsman will be getting a sequel, which will be going into production in April, 2016. Uh, Very, very excited for this. Uh, I think that the comic translated very well to film. They did an amazing job with it. Uh, Great cast, solid acting, and the numbers definitely don't lie. The Kingsman grossed over $412 million worldwide um, on an $81 million budget. If you haven't picked it up on Blu-ray, I definitely recommend you do. It's a, it's a solid Blu-ray, great transfer, solid audio quality. And the film itself is just very, very enjoyable. Um, it, it, it borrows, it feels a lot like when you watched Wanted, um, just not with the expectation that it would be such a far departure from the comic as wanted was but the same type of just over the top action and craziness that you saw in wanted you are definitely seeing in the kingsman so i recommend you give it a watch i'm sure it'll be on cable shortly but um the sequel will start filming in april i don't have an official release date for it yet once i do get one of course i will share it with you guys On the Marvel side of things, it looks like they are going to continue their push to the small screen with a brand new series that they're going to be putting out called Damage Control. Uh, The vision, the the comic, of course, the the show will borrow a lot from the comic book, which is basically a corporation that goes around cleaning up all the messes caused by your favorite heroes and villains. Um, It's a very cool concept. You 
I think that if done right, it can be one of those sleeper shows that's going to have a lot of solid humor. Of course, there's going to be the typical Marvel name dropping that we've come to expect in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I think that in the case of Damage Control, it's going to be a series that is going to be using not only the name dropping quite liberally, but I think that they're going to catch a side of the Marvel Universe that probably not too many people think about. I mean, they've had a couple of limited series. I've read a couple of issues here and there, and I've always felt that the concept was interesting. I think it would translate better to TV, obviously, than the big screen, uh, much like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, while at times is just a name-drop fest left and right, they have improved it quite a bit. I think that now that we've got the whole Daisy Sky storyline out of the way and we're really branching off into into all the mythology of the Inhumans, we're going to start seeing just a better approach towards a, a pretty solid show. I think that going that route and tying everything together on the big screen is a smart course of action. Not sure if Damage Control is going to catch the same amount of attention that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had, but they are going to do it. Uh, you know, it's going to be a comedy. ABC is definitely pushing it. And I was, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was really convinced that Agent Carter, when it came out, wasn't going to be that good. And I was pleasantly surprised at how good Agent Carter actually was. So to see them really branching out and doing some of these smaller shows, even if they're limited runs, it's not going to kill anyone. I think that what they're doing with Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, all these characters, and even the stuff on ABC with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think is just the right way to acknowledge the vast Marvel Universe that's out there. I mean, sure, would we love to see every one of our favorite characters on the big screen? Absolutely. Does every one of our favorite characters need to be on the big screen? Nope. I'll be honest, as much as I love the Punisher and I love the books, I think that a Punisher series would be better would be better than another Punisher movie. And the reason I say this is because obviously creating an R-rated version of the film after Marvel's incredible success with the PG-13 Marvel Universe is just something that I don't see them doing versus Netflix where they can flex their creative muscles, be a little more violent, a little bit more rough around the edges. Stuff like that works. And I think that the Punisher is a character that is tailor-made for something like that versus just trying to get another movie out that may not be as well-received as many had hoped. I mean, the same thing with Ghost Rider. I'll be honest, even Ghost Rider, when you look at him, Ghost Rider's a great character. He has a really, really decent and very awkward and odd rogues gallery. I mean, some of his villains are villains of other characters, but the villains that are the main the main bad guys, Blackout, Death Watch, uh, the other uh, Spirit of Vengeance, aptly named Vengeance, are, are just interesting characters. And because of that, you can, you can work with them a little easier on television than I think you can do on the big screen because you're stuck in a two, three hour. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. You're stuck in a two to, to a two and a half hour window versus a TV series where you have an hour of television at a time and you can just, you know, plan everything out for 12 hours, you know, 12 episodes or 22 episodes depending on the series or in Netflix case you can film the entire series drop it all on Netflix and call it a day I think that 
Marvel's partnership with Netflix is probably one of the best things that they did. Um, even the ABC stuff is good, but I think that if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a Netflix series, you could probably flex your creative muscles just a, a, a tad more. But what can we do? I, I Like I said, I was I expected Agent Carter to be a dud, and I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. So we'll see what happens when Damage Control drops. There's no official date for it yet, but what they're saying is that they're probably going to do a pilot like they did for Agent Carter, see how the fans react, and then jump into um, a brand, you know, a brand new series on ABC. Like I said, once I get the release date, I will share it with you guys. Another big screen classic is heading to the small screen, that being Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon, as many of you know, was The Adventures of Riggs and Murtaugh, played by Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. Of course, this led to, um, of course, the original film and a couple of sequels, which, depending on who you ask, vary between solid, good, or, oh my God, why the fuck was this made? Um, A TV series is being shopped around with Fox. They're looking to most likely do a pilot and then take it from there if they're going to do a full series run. The thing is... Again, and I've said this before, adopting, well, wrong choice of words, adapting a TV, uh, a film towards a TV series, especially one like Lethal Weapon, you can probably get a little bit of mileage out of it only because it's a, you know, it's a cop procedural. It really is. But a lot of what made Lethal Weapon memorable was the humor and the dynamic between, you know, Glover and Mel Gibson. Slick, I am watching The Player. I've been watching it since it started. Thank you for mentioning it, though, because it is a very good show. Anyway, the thing the thing with Lethal Weapon is that the dynamic between Riggs and Murtaugh, the, the, the chemistry, was something that made the series work. A lot of their banter, a lot of the stuff that they, that they did, a lot of the bits that they used are things that they work in a movie. They work if it was a made-for-cable series on FX or AMC or HBO or Showtime or Cinemax, whatever the case may be. When you're going into the broadcast television space, even though certain things have, have changed quite a bit, you know, you can say certain words now on broadcast television that you couldn't say, I don't know, 10 years ago. The fact is that the, the chemistry that you want, I don't think is going to translate well in broadcast television. You know, you got cops... They joke around, ah, fuck you, ah, you're full of shit, blah, blah, blah. You know, things like that, that at first glance, you're going to be like, yeah, but you know, they can they can tone down the humor and still deliver something that people can enjoy. It's tough with Lethal Weapon because, like I said, that was part of it. It's almost like taking 48 hours with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy and airing that on TV. When you watch that film on television and they bleep, alter or change a lot of the film what happens is all those jokes that we watched that we enjoyed that were iconic they just get lost and and obviously you have to censor it for mainstream audiences and children that may be watching at that hour but when you watch those movies and those parts get edited out you're like wow this this not that good it and it happens it happens with a lot of movies that we've watched i mean like i said standards have changed over the years i remember when they were giving NYPD blue and they showed like an ass 
on television for the first time. Everybody was like, oh, my God, what's happening? They showed an ass on TV. And obviously, like I said, we've come well past the stage of of an ass offending anyone. But when that did happen back in the day, people were just there were there were articles about it. They were op eds. They were editorials. There was countless you know, different schools of thought, different camps. Oh, this is bad for our children. And oh my God, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember that the network caught a lot of flack when that happened. But the way I see it is that we're, we're evolving and the, the standards and the stuff that people get offended about some, even though the people get offended nowadays about more shit, I, you know, an ass on TV, there's, there's worse shit out there. There really is. But I will say that I don't personally think that a show like a show based on Lethal Weapon on a broadcast channel can work in in the way that they're hoping it would. I I really don't. If you were telling me you're going to do it on HBO, Cinemax, Showtime, any of those other channels where, you know, you could be a little bit more free with regards to your language because obviously it's a premium channel, then that's different. But I just I just don't see it working. But we'll see what happens. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk uh, about the box office totals for this past weekend. The Martian came in at number one, not even shocked. Uh, Hotel Transylvania 2 came in at number two. Sicario came in at number three. The Intern came in at number four. The Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials was number five. Black Mass was number six. Everest was number seven. The Visit was number eight. War Room was number nine. And The Perfect Guy was number ten. Now, couple of things. I read an article earlier this week that people, and, and this is just insane, there were a lot of people, young people, that genuinely thought that The Martian and the story being told in that film really fucking happened. And sure, you could say that the movie's just so well done that, that that's why people believed it, but get the fuck out of here. <laughs> really. Get, get out of here, because you're, you're a fucking moron, if that's what you think. I mean, the movie was tremendous. Everybody that has seen it has told me nothing but good things. But for you to think that that... Listen, if we were going to Mars, it wouldn't, this wouldn't be the first, the first piece of media about it. If we were going to Mars right now, there would be shit on television all the time. Hell, when they found that there was water on Mars, everybody went fucking crazy. Everybody was sharing it. Oh, we're talking about colonizing planets and all kinds of shit. And that's great. I think I think it's awesome. I'm I'm really pumped for stuff like that because I'm a nerd and that's that's the kind of shit that, that makes me that makes me happy. But I just felt that when I heard that, I'm like, really, you guys thought this was real? You're insane. But in any case, Aside from from the stupidity of the masses, I will say that I've heard nothing but good things about The Martian. I've also heard good things about Black Mass. I know Jimbo Slice went to check it out, told me that the movie was tremendous, amazing, and enjoyable for all the right reasons. If you're a fan of gangster films, uh, definitely check it out, and that's a recommendation from Mr. Slice. I got to try and check that out. I want to check out Green Inferno because I've heard I've heard nothing but good things about it. <laughs> Slick adds, with the current space technology, a man trip to Mars would be one way. Dude, if, if, it, if it were to happen, whether it was one way or not one way, it's like for people to think that that shit was real just shows the, the it, 
like I said, it's either really good storytelling and they should be proud of it or the fact that people are fucking dumb. But in terms of space travel, whether it's traveling to Mars or or exactly <laughs> exactly that. If 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 we were traveling to Mars or we were trying to colonize other planets, we would probably sabotage ourselves before we got anything done because that that's just what we are. We're self-destructive we are a self-destructive animal. That's what it is. We are we are self-destructive animals in any and every capacity. I'll give you guys a, a, a really quick example. When I got married, I got I got married uh, destination wedding in Puerto Rico, and you know I lived in Puerto Rico for a while when I was younger. I went there numerous times when I was a kid, and there were three things that always stuck out to me about Puerto Rico: the water's always nice and warm. It is clear, super clear, and it's clean, right? Super clean. So think about this. That's the visual you have. Now, when I was there, there were plenty of times where we went and we laid out on the beach because the hotel had a private beach for, for people that were staying there. And a lady who was 100% a fucking tourist decided... I'm going to eat a piece of, you know, I'm going to eat a bag of Cheetos. I kid you not. And I am going to let the bag just go in the water. Now, as a normal, rational mammal, I'm going to be like, hey, you know, this is my area. I live here. I, I, you know, I'm enjoying it. Let me not dirty it. So she let the bag just float on in the water and did nothing about it. Me being the um <laughs> how can i put this me being the typical rude new yorker that i am i go isn't this fucking wonderful the water here is so beautiful tranquil and clean and now it's got a fucking bag of cheetos and cheetos dust so she heard me she got up and she followed the bag all the way down along the the, the water and picked it up and threw it in the garbage I think that if she could have stabbed me in the face with an ice pick, she would have because I embarrassed the shit out of her. But the fact is that we are self-destructive motherfuckers. We are. Sorry to say it. Like, we're not going to get wiped out by an asteroid or we're not, you know, we are going to fucking kill ourselves because we're fucking, we're the dumbest smart motherfuckers created. I'm serious. That's what we are. That was in the ocean slick, full on open water. She let the bag fall into the, onto the shore. The water pulled it out, and she didn't even say, "Oh, let me go get this." No, I'm done. And like I said, I just embarrassed the shit out of her because it's it's not right. And it wasn't even because you know I'm I'm there on honeymoon for my wedding. It's just because I grew up there, and it's one of those things that I remember fondly. Nice, clear water. You can see all the way to the bottom. You could see all the different beautiful tropical fish. You know, it's it's it, it was cool. It was it was you know, magic, you know? Like that's something that that you can appreciate. And this and this this fucking shamu on two legs is just letting it float away. Letting this bag of Cheetos float away. It was it was appalling. And like I said, you know, people we're going to destroy ourselves. That's that's it. We are going to destroy ourselves. It's not going to be asteroids or 
hell, if it were a zombie apocalypse, it would be because we fucking created the zombies. That's how the shit goes. Zombie apocalypse would happen because we did it to ourselves. Not because of some crazy gas. We create the shit and that's how it would happen. I'm serious. Anyway. Hasbro has officially announced that we are going to be getting Transformers movies for the foreseeable future. As a matter of fact, there will be four more live-action Transformers sequels within the next 10 years. So there you have it. For those of you that love the Michael Bay-created universe of Transformers, you can rest easy knowing that there are four more films heading your way. In addition to that, there's also going to be an animated series, which they're going to an animated film, which they're going to be working on as well. I actually believe that what they're working on ties into the new story I saw earlier today about a series called War of the Primes, which um, I'm trying to get some more some more research about that so I can talk about it next week. But um, here's 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 where I stand. Here's my take on the situation. The Michael Bay Transformers movies are a symphony of violence, destruction, and incredible visuals. That's it. The stories are paper thin. The liberties that they take sometimes are, are, are way too out of hand for, for hardcore Transformers fans. But they sell a lot of toys. Kids watch the shit. And that's it. It's, a, it's, it's really just a giant GM commercial with explosions. Now, as I've said before, I, I, take, I take the Transformers films and I put them in their own little bucket. Their own little bucket. Away from what I grew up with watching during the 80s, the 90s, and even now. Because I did, I did watch the last few Transformers series that came out over the last few years. I did. I'm a big kid. Sue me. But the fact that they have in their minds that, that we are going to get four more movies. Four. And they're going to continue the, the established mythology that Michael Bay has put out is insane. And I'll tell you guys why. As I said a couple of months back, when we finished the last Transformers movie, Optimus Prime flew into space, pretty much telling the, the creators that he's coming for them. But then he's like, hey, you guys can stay and protect the humans. No problem. Meanwhile, the Dinobots that are fucking massive, yes, run free, run free, legendary warriors. You just told a bunch of giant mechanized dinosaurs to run free. Like it's all good. It's not all good. You guys destroyed everything in that movie. But hey, run free. Go forth and prosper. I'm like... Did I just, did I hear that right? And sure enough, that's what happened. Now, obviously, we can make a lot of jokes about it, but when I saw it, I was like, okay, these giant destructive mechanized dinosaurs, you guys could just run off and play. See you guys later. Thanks for the assist. And it didn't dawn on me at first, because I watched the movie and I was like, wow, you know, the visuals were cool, and I love the fucking Dinobots. I've, I've, made, I've made no you know, no illusions that they were going to be translated well to film. But the fact that they were so big and it's like, yeah, just run free. See you guys later. Blend in, blend in. It'll be all right. It's like, no, there is no blending in. 
giant mechanized Tyrannosaurus Rex that breathes fire. Giant two-headed pterodactyl. No. Not happening. But this is the kind of shit that has been created that, um, you know, we're going to continue to see for the next for the next 10 years. Like I said, mindless popcorn movies are what the Transformers films are. Mindless popcorn flicks. You either love them or you hate them or you tolerate them. That's it. I don't love them. I don't hate them either. I tolerate them because they're mindless. But if I could sit there and compare everything that's wrong with those movies with everything I grew up watching, every comic I've read, every toy I've owned, to quote what Slick just said, my heart would explode. So I just don't do it. I don't. I just watch them. If I enjoy them, great. If I don't enjoy them, whatever. It is what it is. Hey, look, pieces of metal crumpled together. Hey, that's supposed to be Megatron. Nope. Not at all. Not Megatron. Giant piece of shrapnel with eyes. That's it. Anyway. I did want to mention that if you are a fan of the Mad Max Fury Road film, well, you're going to be happy to know that we are getting two more of those because in an interview with Top Gear, George Miller did confirm that he is working on two more Mad Max movies that he has already written. Uh, Fury Road earned $370 million worldwide. It was also praised by many critics. I, I got to tell you, the Mad Max movies, I grew up watching them. The Road Warrior, uh, Mad Max Thunderdome with Tina Turner. It's, it's, it's in a genre all its own. And if you watch Mad Max Fury Road, you'll see a film that is just a visual spectacle. It is a visual masterpiece. The story may not be loved by everyone, but it is just a beautiful fucking movie to look at. And when I saw it, we saw it in 3D and it was it was just mind blowing. Like you watch it and it literally you're just like this with your eyes wide open the entire movie because it's so the visuals are so immersive and so crazy that I said to myself, damn, this is a movie that I need to own as soon as it comes out on Blu-ray because it is that beautiful. The visuals, the bright color, the way it was done, just the, the attention to detail, the, the, immer- the crazy chase sequences and just the, the characters that they come up with. There's a guy that's pretty much sitting there playing a, a guitar with a flamethrower at the end of it pretty much the majority of the movie and he was fucking awesome the doof warrior and like i said if you if you have a a great sound system and you want a nice reference blu-ray give mad max fury fury road a a pickup especially if they drop it in price for black friday because it is it is an amazing you have to experience it it's not even something you watch it is something you experience that's that's pretty much it i'm not even joking that is, that is pretty much the long and short of it. It is something you experience. All right. So the big news out of Marvel for this week, obviously with New York Comic Con going on, there is a lot of Marvel stuff floating around. But one of the big things that they announced was that they're adding a new film to their third phase, that being Ant-Man and Wasp, which is scheduled to be released July 8th, 2018. Originally, that was the release date for Black Panther, which is now being moved up to February 16th, 2018. Obviously, this is going to follow Paul Rudd as Scott Lang 
uh, alongside Evangeline Lilly's Hope Van Dyne, Ant-Man made $409 million at the worldwide box office. With that, this is the current Marvel Universe schedule going forward. Captain America Civil War comes out May 6th, 2016. Doctor Strange will come out that fall, November 4th, 2016. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 will be released May 5th, 2017. The untitled Spider-Man movie as of right now has a release date of July 28th, 2017. Thor Ragnarok will come out November 3rd, 2017. Black Panther has now been moved to 2018. Avengers Infinity War Part 1 will be May 4th, 2018. Ant-Man and Wasp now in the July 8th, 2018 slot. And then Avengers Infinity War Part 2 will be May 3rd, 2019. And Inhumans will be moved to July 12th, 2019, along with Captain Marvel, which is March 8th, 2019. Plus, they got two other films, well, three films that they have announced for 2020. Um, it's, uh, it's a full slate for Marvel, man. As a comic fan, I'm excited. I'm really pumped to see so many characters come to the big screen. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the films. I mean, Ant-Man was solid. Some people consider it not as good as some of the others. Me personally, I enjoyed Ant-Man quite a bit. I felt that it was a breath of fresh air and, uh, a nice departure from the gloom and doom and craziness of all the other films. So me personally, I enjoyed it. And to see that Marvel is really, really digging in for all these characters and bringing them all to the big screen shows that there, there's no end to the Marvel juggernaut for the time being. And from now till 2020, we are going to have movies upon movies to look forward to simple as that. On the other Disney side, they've also, you know, well, we obviously talked about the Marvel side. On the Disney side, there are release dates for a lot of films that many of us are looking forward to. Not Cars 3 that comes out June 6, 2017, because that is an animated movie I fucking can't stand. Holy shit, I tried to watch Cars, and I tried to watch Cars 2, and I just couldn't fucking do it. But if you're excited for it for the Cars series, June 6, 2017 is your date. They have a movie from Pixar called Coco coming out November 22nd, 2017. They're doing a uh, they're bringing another live action Disney fairy tale to the big screen December 22nd, 2017. Gigantic is March 9th, 2018. Toy Story 4 comes out June 16th, 2018. The Incredibles 2 comes out June 21st, 2019. I am very excited for that. Love the first Incredibles film. Couldn't wait until they did a second one, so I'm really excited for this. So June 21st, 2019, uh, four days, well, yeah, it'll be uh, four days before my, what would be my 39th birthday at the time. And, um, of course, countless other films. It's, uh, <laughs> Slick is right, 2019, little kids are getting stomped out. I agree, man. I w- I'll be in there day one to see that, the same way I was in there to see Big Hero 6. I'll be in there to see Incredibles 2. That's for damn sure. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Last bit of news I wanted to talk about before we wrap things up was brand new casting news regarding the Assassin's Creed film. Uh, They are bringing in Brendan Gleeson and also Jeremy Irons to play roles in the the film. 
Of course, that that will be alongside Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard. Um, I believe that, according to what's been said, Irons will play the father of Marion Cotillard's character, while um, Brendan Gleeson will play Michael Fassbender's character's father. Really, really excited for the Assassin's Creed films. You guys have heard on numerous shows how much I loved uh, the games. I'm really hoping that the films do the game justice, only because... There's so many great stories you can tell. Fassbender is such a great actor that I really, really hope that Assassin's Creed, the movie, lives up to lives up to the expectations set by those of us that are fans of the game. In any case, um, Assassin's Creed will be hitting theaters December 21st, 2016. All right. So with that, that is going to wrap up the entertainment news for this week. And it's actually going to wrap up the show as well. So with that, I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment this week. Feel free to give me your take by hitting us up on social media. You can find us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio or at Rage underscore Works. You can become a fan on Facebook. Just punch in RageWorks. You'll be getting access not only to all the episodes of MyTakeRadio and all our shows, but all the stuff we publish on RageWorks.net as well. You can also find RageWorks and My Take Radio on Google+. You can find us on Pinterest if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, you can be, find us on Facebook, RageWorks underscore Rich. You can even find us on Snapchat. We actually are starting to use Snapchat a little more, putting out stories with regards to how we put the shows together, things we're working on, other projects. You can find RageWorks on Snapchat. Last but not least, of course, archived episodes of this show and all the others will be available within 24 to 48 hours of live broadcasts. You can find audio archives on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, on RageWorks.net. Video archives will go to our two channels, My Take Radio TV and Official RageWorks on YouTube. We're also starting to add more of our shows to Daily Motion as well. All right, guys, I will see you guys next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for our MMA and wrestling show. Just a reminder, if you are trying to catch our gaming and entertainment show, there will not be one next Thursday. So with that, on behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the Rageworks and MTR team, I will catch you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. That's all, folks.